Know your reformers. John Calvin was a French pastor, an author of the Institutes of the Christian Religion. His writings and ministry made Geneva, Switzerland a hotbed of reformed theology. His institutes are still guiding documents for reformed churches across the globe. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Have you ever met a next-door Nazi? Bet you have. This is Wretched Radio. Are you familiar with Nextdoor? It is a site your community no doubt has one where neighbors can be neighborly electronically because who wants to talk to an actual human being over the fence where you can post requests. Hey, does anybody know of a good painter? My gutters are clogged. Anybody cheap and good that you know about? Hey, my dog got lost. Have you seen him? That's what Nextdoor was invented to be. But it is also turned into yet another environment where people express their views indicating an exceedingly low view of man. Anthropology is a study that deserves our attention. This is not the first time we've talked about it. I see it constantly in the news stories that consternate each and every one of us. What's going on? It's a low view of man. It is a low view of all things biblical, right, good, and true. It is a different worldview. And anthropology is I think it, it, it's, it's, it's near the bullseye, if not right in it, as to why you and I are seeing next-door Nazis berate people who actually have the audacity to say, hey, did anybody see the guy who broke my car window and took my purse? How dare you? Well, maybe you shouldn't leave your car out like that. Just, just leave it unlocked so they don't break the windows when they take your purse. What? 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 We have to let people live autonomously, and we cannot, we dare not, as a collective, say some things are wrong, and you need to conform to society and not vice versa. Collectively, we know better. And furthermore, not only do we sometimes know better, we are actually going to impose that right thinking on people who have bad thinking because we know better. And, and the problem is because we are all judges unto ourselves. Every man does that which is right in his own eyes. There's nothing new under the sun in this regard that, that, that we don't want to tell people that this is the better way. On next door recently, there was a skirmish that happened in our neighborhood because in our suburb, uh, there are some homeless people. And these people wander the streets, but one in particular, apparently, has decided to set up shop between a restaurant and a grocery store. And he uses it as his home, probably does dumpster diving, has a grocery cart full of goods and things that he's collected, and uses the parking lot as his bathroom. And some people went on next door and said, um... Is there anything that the authorities can do to keep the public's parking lot from becoming a potty? How dare you? You've got to leave them alone. They're free to be me. And how dare you impose your better thinking on them? Well, because we have better thinking. And, and we just know better. 
Uh, recently, there was a really long, I mean, it was a beating. I think it was in the New York Times, if I'm not mistaken. It was an article that asked the question, which I probably have here someplace. Should we let people with anorexia die? They are clearly presenting themselves as struggling with body image issues. Uh, they get checked into a hospital and there is a, there's a process that people go through regarding being diagnosed and getting the state involved and restraining them to make sure that they can't hurt themselves. And people are going, well, should we really do that? Now, I'm, I'm not going to critique the process. That's not the point. But people are saying you just can't impose your values on the person who is starving him or herself to death. What is, what is that? That's autonomy again. It's a low view of humanity. That, that we love individualism and cherish it so highly that we can never say, I'm wrong. We know better. And we're going to help you. That's why we have a homeless problem these days. Visit San Francisco if you dare. Well, what did what do they call uh, Jimmy? You would know this. You kind of grew up near, at least near the farms in Tennessee. Uh -huh. What do they call the boots? Uh, mucking boots? Is that what they call? You know, when you have to go into the stable and oh yeah, I think so. I think that's right. I think you're right. Have you ever even driven near a farm? <laughs> I have. Yes. Are they in, in Britain? They've got a name for woolies or booties or uh, wellies. Well, put on your wellies for the rain. You better do that in San Francisco, or you're gonna ruin your shoes. Why do we allow that? They've got to be able to do whatever that they want to do. Dare to post a video of somebody stealing a package from your front door on next door and you will get berated. How dare you expose somebody who broke the law on your private property? You say, well, that's just a few people. I say, let's go to Canada. Canadian police warned that posting videos of alleged package thieves could be violation of their privacy. See, there it is. Privacy. The worst behavior in the world is protected by privacy. Hey, paging abortion, anybody? Which is one of the arguments. Privacy. I've got the right to do with my body what I want to do in the confines of my own home, which is ridiculous on the face of it because we know that you can't abuse children in the privacy of your own home. We have to put a seatbelt around our body or we tick it if we don't click it. It's just fallacious. But it's, an, it's another manifestation of, on the one hand, people think it's a high view of anthropology that you have to let everybody do whatever it is that they want to do and choose whatever lifestyle they want to choose. Hey, there's another realm that is using the autonomous self to rewrite the definition of sexuality, marriage family and i would suggest it's a low view of human low view of humans we we that we get together and say hey we need to figure out what is the best for people and we need to help them to achieve that and there could even be times when we've actually got to do something about it where we step in for the person who simply can't function in society instead of letting them roam the streets <sighs> Right now, there, there's a cold snap that, that's going through, has gone through a good part of the South. Uh, it's cold outside. Now I know 
my fellow Minnesotans, you're going, that ain't nothing. We'd actually watch the wind chills. It was like 54 below wind chill. Someplace in North or South Dakota. <laughs> yeah, I get it. That's cold. But that doesn't mean it's not cold here. And people are sitting out in the streets, sleeping. And then they're huddling together, often doing drugs. We refuse to have compassion and say, no better. There's a better way. We got to do better for these people. We've got to somehow make their lives as good as they can possibly be because we actually care about humans. Autonomy is a disregard for humanity. Autonomy is not, we love people so much. Why? Because letting somebody do what is reckless, that's not loving or kind. Any parent should know that. Let's go back to Canada. People who post security footage of their packages being stolen could face potential defamation charges. (laughs) So you put up a video of the kids swiping your package and you're going to get a defamation charge. Why? Because they have to have privacy. Every person has a right to the respect of his reputation and privacy with no regard to the respect for private property and for people who are towing the line. We overlook that because our anthropology is so deficient because it focuses exclusively on autonomy that everybody else's rights go out the window. And these days in our CRT society, unless you happen to be a complainer who has a lot of intersections, your voice simply cannot, it will not be heard. Video individuals who disseminate pictures of a person without consent could face a variety of civil and criminal proceedings depending on the situation. Cool. Let's go to New York. How's about the high school that barred students from the school, ordering them to do remote teaching? So the building could serve as a temporary shelter for 2,000 illegal immigrants. What, what, what happened? We've got. We've got such a low view of our own children and humanity that we just make upside-down decisions. Everything is backwards because everything is backwards. Priorities are wrong. And one of of the reasons is because postmodernism, I'm telling you, it is in full bloom right now in our society. What, What used to be hinted at, sometimes sung about, is now the battle cry. Me, 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 me. And don't you dare squash my desires and shackle me with your puritanical beliefs. And we're seeing that when we kick our kids out of school to put people here who are illegal, marijuana, tied to psychosis, a growing concern for younger users. It can lead to permanent psychiatric disorders. There's a shock. But why do we legalize it? Because we got to let people get stoned if they want to. That is not a high view of anthropology. Autonomy is one of the lowest views of humanity that we can have. And we are seeing it consume our culture. This is Wretched Radio. 
Hey, thank you so much for listening to Wretched Radio today and to our ongoing monthly gospel partners. You're the foundation. You're the heartbeat of this mission. You stand firm with us, and it's not just a commitment, but it is a testament to your faith and dedication to spreading the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ to millions of people all over the world. And if you haven't yet quite made the leap to joining us as an ongoing monthly gospel partner, would you prayerfully consider doing so? No gimmicks, no punchlines, no hard sales here. I'm I'm not doing any of that. I'm just giving you an honest-to-goodness invitation to be part of a mission that is changing lives all over the world. As we stand firm together, unwavering in this purpose, united in this mission, we are able to make a difference for eternity. Wretched.org slash donate is where you can find any answers to any questions you might ever possibly have on what it would look like to become an ongoing monthly gospel partner. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. If you are one of the people who supported our joint effort with the Master's Academy International to get Bibles into the hands of people, you're going to hear a thank you letter from May that perhaps will encourage you that what you did was a very good and lasting thing. I'm one of the recipients of the MacArthur Study Bible. Bible, so generously given with the help of gospel partners. This will help me in my daily study of God's word and will inform, instruct, inspire me in my walk with the Lord, as well as my service to the Lord in my family and my church ministries. How encouraging is that? By the way, if you're not plugged into the Master's Academy International, everything is about long lasting impact. They train pastors in 18, 19 countries and many seminaries around the globe so that pastors can fill empty pulpits and preach. That makes a generational difference. You can learn more about the Master's Academy at wretched.org slash Bible, or if you prefer, wretched.org slash Pastor. 2024 is a crucial election year. The sanctity of life is at the forefront. And while we do celebrate the overturning of Roe, we cannot ignore the surge of pro-choice voices. They are persuasive, but we can and should be more convincing. We have to stand firm, not only in our beliefs, but also in the understanding of the gospel to change hearts and minds. Pro-choice advocates rally voters with misleading arguments. And as Christians, it is our duty to counter these narratives with truth, and compassion. Remember, this is not only about politics. It's about protecting the lives of the unborn. The debate has shifted to when instead of should, and now it's time to refocus this conversation. Equip your family and your church with Life is Best, a 13-lesson series that's not just powerful, but a call to action. Order your free digital download and streaming version from the Wretched Store right now. It's available for free during the month of January. You have until January 31st, and we, together, can make a difference. Know your reformers. John Calvin was a French pastor, an author of the Institutes of the Christian Religion. His writings and ministry made Geneva, Switzerland a hotbed of reformed theology. His institutes are still guiding documents for reformed churches across the globe. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is Wretched Radio. Hey, Todd. Yeah, Jimmy. Why do you sound that way? Your timing is is impeccable. Ooh, That's I'm the word telling, I'm thinking. I'm telling you. Yeah, yeah, Jimmy, go ahead. Why, why do you sound that way? Well, it's not because I'm gloating about being right or anything. Oh. I mean, how unhumble, unhumble? How not humble would that be? Um, headline, non-religious Americans 
are the new abortion voters. Who's coming out en masse to pull the lever for pro-aborts? It is single women. They are energized. Two weeks ago, we announced here on the Wretched Radio program, without being smug, hey, if we don't start becoming pro-life apologists, if we don't start preaching the gospel, winning souls, which will change thinking, voting patterns, people aren't inclined to typically grow more conservative. They're more inclined to grow more licentious, hence liberalism. And if we don't get into the game, and start evangelizing and start persuading people what is in the mother's womb is a whole innocent human being. Look out. People are going to vote for self-interest. This is all about me. And so it is we decided to give away our series Life is Best. It's 13 episodes. You can stream it. You can download it for free right now so you can show it in your church, show it in your youth group. In fact, we saw a picture of Jim Osmond Sent a picture from Kootenai. Is that uh, how you pronounce it? Uh, yeah, I believe. Yeah. Kootenai. Kootenai. I think it's Kootenai. But it's AI. I know. I know. But I think that's how it's pronounced. Mm. We'll let that one slide because he was showing life as best to his youth group. Mm-hmm. And maybe they'll never go out and persuade somebody to be pro-life. But maybe that information will help them when no doubt one of those kids could find themselves in a situation where they're panicking about having a baby and what are we going to do when they consider abortion? We want to be teaching our kids, hey, science affirms what the Bible makes clear. And our intuition says, of course, it's a human being. No doubt that it's actually a growing thing. And you say, well, it doesn't look like a baby yet. And since when is appearance the marker to determine whether somebody should live or die? Are we sure that we want to go by appearance? Are we sure that we want to go by development? So we said, let's give away life is best. And we have been. And Jimmy, I'm, I'm not mistaken. I think about over 2,000 people have already decided. Wow. We'll get that bad boy. It's free. So avail yourself of that resource and show it to your family. It is, it's really good. It's every time I go back to watch it, I think that resource is six years old, maybe something like that. It hasn't aged at all. And it's Scott Klusendorf hosting it. He goes out into the campuses and he actually engages the kids. He actually helps them to see, hey, what, what you are now, you were in your mother's womb, just smaller. Imagine if we had terminated that life. You wouldn't be here. It's powerful. And it deals with issues of privacy. I've got the right to do with my body and the privacy of my own home. It dismantles the violin argument, bodily autonomy. It's outstanding. Please avail yourself of that resource at wretched.org slash life. Wretched.org slash life from 538.com. Non-religious Americans are the new abortion voters. Pew Research found that abortion has become much more important to religiously unaffiliated Americans. Okay, so what do these people need in order to not be energized to vote pro-abortion? They need to become, we'll just use the language that is presented to us, religious. How does somebody become religious? Conversion. How does conversion happen? Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word 
of God. This is why we need to be evangelizing. It's just, I know, I know the political, there's something about politics that is highly addictive to most of us. I, I, I get it I, because it affects all of us. I get it. But politics is not the headwater. It is downstream. Religion is at the headwater. It flows out of people's belief system. And people who do not believe in Jesus Christ are way more inclined to vote abortion because it allows for bodily autonomy. I want the procreative act to have no procreative consequences. And they are going to vote wrongly. Got to evangelize. Do research. Becoming less, less of a critical concern for white evangelicals. Raw, if I recall, because we saw a different survey last week, the, the, the number of, of pro-abort, non-religious people, their concern about abortion skyrocketed. The concern for evangelicals, white, pink, or otherwise, down 7%. Uh-oh. That means those evangelicals are going to vote based on their personal concerns. And if they, and we know that the evangelical community is loaded with false converts, want to make sure that they can go about the business of being frisky without consequences, uh, if we don't get engaged, it is going to be a blue tidal wave. Get ready. Uh, the, the whole election stealing, forget it. it just, that's going to be like, because people are going to vote for licentiousness. Religiously unaffiliated people are worried about this issue in a way that they weren't before Dobbs. So here's the, oh, I've got it right. I guess that survey last week is actually being held in my never before nicotine stained fingers. Religiously unaffiliated people that say now abortion, that is very important to me, up 32%. Whoa. I don't know why we have to do the black-white thing, but black Protestant up 26%. White non-evangelical Protestants up 17%. Hispanic Catholics up 11%. White Catholics up 9%. White evangelicals down 7%. We just don't see it as being important anymore. And it is important. And, and maybe, just maybe, if you've had a lot of steam building up in your pot, then you're ready to boil over because you just got to do something about the craziness. Here's something you can do. You can do this. You can become a pro-life apologist. You, you can get life is best. Watch it. You'll win the argument. You can go and get to help with evangelizing. We, we, that's, why we, that's why we do Witness Wednesday every week here. I'm not by any means perfect at evangelism. That seems pretty self-evident. Even to me. Uh, but why do we do it? So that we can all go out and do it. That's how you win elections. That's how a nation gets changed. We can do something. And, well, how providential is this? It happens to be in perfect alignment with what the Bible says we're supposed to do. On Sunday, the sermon text was Matthew 3. It was the humble boldness of John the Baptist. He was a humble man. There's, there's no question about it. 
It's baked into the text. He was willing to do open-air preaching. It was always considered weird. It's not just 21st century. Open-air preaching was always kind of, who's that kook out there? Trust me, I know. He dressed oddly. His diet was a poor man's banquet of locusts and honey. He was a humble man, but he was also bold. He was willing to call it out to be one crying in the wilderness. Hey, you're doing it wrong. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent. We got to find that boldness. We got to have the humility. That's for sure. I mean, we got to have boldness. It's fascinating to me that John the Baptist was simultaneously both. There's a way to do it. It ain't easy. We've got to be simultaneously meek and gentle while being bold and courageous when we are speaking the truth. So that means we don't have to go running around with fire in our eyes and signs that condemn people by telling them to turn or burn. But we've got to find the courage to say, hey, um, friend, may I share something really amazing with you? And you get to share the law and the gospel, the greatest news that there is. It's the one that John the Baptist pointed to and said, here's, here's, the, here's the mightier one. Here, here's the one that we, the long-expected prophet. Look at him because he's amazing. We got to find that courage. We got to do it in a way that is humble. 60% of white evangelical Christians believe abortion is becoming less available. Uh, it's, is actually a good thing for society. Okay, that's 40% who don't. 78% of unaffiliated Americans say it's been a negative development. In other words, they are hot, hot, hot. And evangelicals on the life issue are getting meh, meh, meh. Unaffiliated Americans, non-religious people are much more united in support for legal abortion than white evangelicals are in opposition. 84 to 74% respectively. And who are the youngest, strongest supporters? You got it. Single women. Do you know any single women? You might want to share life as best with them. Do you know anybody who's religiously unaffiliated? Might want to share the gospel with them. Otherwise, I hope you like the color blue. <laughs> this is Wretched Radio. And it's now time for a Wretched News Break here on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Well, today it seems like even the magic of animation can't shield one from the harsh realities of economics. Pixar, Disney's beloved animation studio, is facing a bit of downsizing. Reports are indicating that up to 20% of the workforce could be dismissed. They currently employ about 1,300 workers, and the staff might be shrinking to under 1,000 by the end of 2024. Again, I hate to sound like a broken record every time we talk about Disney, but it seems like the saying continues to hold true. Go woke and you go broke. And we don't like to see anyone out of work, so let's be praying for everyone that could possibly, potentially, lose their jobs. Well, in a victory for free speech and religious freedom, two Christian teachers from Southern California have been ordered to be reinstated by a federal judge. The middle school teachers were placed on administrative leave for opposing a district policy. The policy, which was enacted in 2020, required that the teachers accept the student's gender self-identification and were prohibited from discussing the matters with parents. 
The teachers, standing firm in their convictions and rights, filed a lawsuit against the district, and U.S. District Judge Roger Benitez has ruled in their favor. And it marks a pretty significant moment for educators that are striving to balance their professional obligations to what's right. And how about this for dangerous and neglectful? The American Academy of Pediatrics has released an article that labels laws against transgender procedures for children as medical neglect and emotional abuse. Uh, the Academy argues that prohibiting these interventions harms children and infringes on their rights to health care. However, their stance has been met with much criticism from the medical community and just common sense in general. Well, in political news, President Joe Biden has said he is pushing forward with his plan to cancel more student loans. The initiative, which is set to commence in February, aims to cancel debts for borrowers who originally borrowed $12,000 or less for college and have made at least 10 years of payments. It's a part of the new SAVE plan, which promises more lenient terms than previous repayment options. But wasn't that already ruled against? Who knows? It's the Wild West out there. They just do what we want these days, apparently. And finally, House Speaker Mike Johnson is slated to address the crowd of the 2024 March for Life. As a pro-life Christian, Johnson has been unwavering in his advocacy for the sanctity of life, and the March for Life is scheduled to take place later this week. And that's been today's Wretched News Break. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. <laughs> Important dates in Christian history. 1054. Tensions between the East and the West had been brewing for centuries. But when negotiations between Rome and Constantinople went sour, both sides excommunicated each other, and the divide between Catholicism and Orthodoxy remains to this day. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Wasn't going to do this, but I just plain can't help myself. This is Wretched Radio. Was not going to share with you a snippet from our F-R-E-E free life series, Life is Best. But I just looked at the first episode again, and it is so good, and we want to give it to you for free. And if you have not yet been motivated to take advantage of this unprecedented offer except for all the other times we give away stuff visit wretched.org slash life show this to your kids show this in your church welcome back sometimes when you're discussing human value let's face it things can get really confusing people will give you a phone book list of reasons about why the unborn don't count They'll tell you the unborn are too small, or they're not self-aware, or they can't feel what we feel, or they can't interact with their environment. When people bring these objections up, we have an acronym for you that will help you slot their objections into that acronym known as SLED to help you respond persuasively. When these objections come up, get on your SLED and stay on it. Size, level of development, environment, and degree of dependency. If we just look at size for a second, we can see, does size really determine your value? The argument might go something like this, the embryo is tiny, therefore insignificant. But if size is what determines our value, we're in big trouble. Look around you, everyone is different sizes. If the embryo is tiny and doesn't matter, logic demands that we're consistent across the board and say that smaller human beings have less value than larger ones. And that just doesn't make any sense. There's no grounding for human equality there. Intrinsic value is the only answer that makes sense at the end of the day. 
Megan is making a very important point. Body size does not equal value. We don't think it's less a crime to beat a two-year-old who's smaller than a five-year-old. We don't think that a seven-foot-two basketball star has more value than all of us simply because he's larger. As a matter of principle, as soon as you say body size is what gives us our value, you have to follow through and say large people have more rights than small people. But we know better than that. We know that can't be right. Now, when you hear people say this, when they bring up something like size, it's also important you listen for the next thing you know they're going to bring up which is the L. Level of development. The unborn are less developed than we are, therefore less deserving of a right to life. My daughter, Neely, is eight and a half years old. She's about to be nine, and she doesn't yet have a fully working reproductive system. She hasn't developed it yet. But can I kill her because she's less developed than me? No way. That makes no sense. But if you're going to grant it here, logic says, you got to grant it down the road as well. Be listening for the level of development argument. It will come up. People will bring up self-consciousness. The unborn don't count because they don't feel like we do. Can't process things like we do. Don't interact with their environments the way that we do. When you hear these things come up, it's best to personalize it so you can shift from the abstract to the concrete. That's precisely what Megan did. She didn't just talk about these concepts as some kind of abstract thing out there. She brought it right home to her own daughter, Neely. And she made the point that if development defines humanity, her daughter loses. That was a powerful point. Abraham Lincoln did the same thing with slavery. He pointed out that if you claim that we're human and valuable because our skin is fairer than the black man, well, guess what? The first person you meet with skin fairer than your own can enslave you. Don't fall for this level of development argument. It results in savage inequality. You are listening to a Life is Best. This happens to be episode one. Scott Klusendorf hosting. You're also hearing different pro-life apologists teach us to simplify the argument, to win it every single time. You can get it for free. Bretcha.org slash life. Environment, that is where you're located, what does that have to do with what you are? You don't roll over in bed at night and become somebody new. In fact, you could fly to the moon and you would still be you. And there are great arguments as to why that is the case. But what it does tell us is that an eight to nine inch journey down the birth canal doesn't make a non-valuable, non-human entity into a valuable human entity just like that. If that's true, logic says, be careful if you move to a new address. When people bring up environment, they're trying to convince you that the child's location is decisive, that somehow moving from inside the womb to outside the womb determines whether you have a right to life. But why would we believe that a simple change of location fundamentally changes who you are? Watch this. I just changed location. I moved a step to the left. I didn't stop being me. If that's true, the child's location, moving from inside the womb to outside the womb, can't fundamentally change who he is. If he wasn't already human, he's not going to get there just by moving down the birth canal. When people bring up this whole idea of environment, what they're really trying to convince you is that somehow changing location changes you. And degree of dependency. 
the unborn are dependent on their mothers for survival, and so they don't have a right to life, the argument goes. My mom is diabetic. She is dependent upon her medicine to survive. Without it, she can't process sugars on her own, and her body won't be able to do that. She might die. I can't kill her because of her dependency. But logic says, if you're gonna grant it here, you've gotta grant it down the road as well. And these types of instrumental value answers create spectrums of value because all of these types of things come in degrees between different human beings. Intrinsic value is the only answer that makes sense at the end of the day. The science of embryology shows us that from the earliest stages of development, in other words, when you were- By the way, this is Scott now, he's on the campus. I wish you could see this young lady's face. I'm telling you, she is, I believe the Brits would say, gobsmacked. That from the earliest stages of development, in other words, when you were at the two cell stage, you were a distinct living and whole human being. You didn't come from an embryo, you once were one. There's no essential difference between that embryo you once were and the young adult you are today that would justify killing you back then. You're larger, but body size doesn't give you value. You're more developed, but we don't think two-year-olds that aren't as developed as 20-year-olds have less of a right to life. You're in a different environment. You're out of the womb, you were once in. But I would argue where you are has no bearing on who you are. When you left home this morning and came to class, you didn't stop being you. And finally, degree of dependency. Sure, you depended on the mother for survival, your mother in your case, but dependency on another human being is not a good reason for saying we can kill you. Let me ask you a question. Are you starting to see that these arguments are persuasive? And maybe they're so persuasive that you're starting to feel a tinge of guilt over a past decision you made to have an abortion. And maybe you're thinking, hey, I didn't have this information before and I acted in a way I wouldn't have acted if I had known what I'd seen today. You may be a guy who thinks, man, I drove a girl to a clinic or a woman who made that decision because you thought you had no other way out. If that's you and you're feeling the guilt of a past abortion decision, I have very good news for you. What must you do to be saved? Paul Washer. You must recognize that you can not save yourself. No one can do that, but that's what God has done through his son, Jesus Christ. What must you do? You must acknowledge that you have sinned, not just with regard to the abortion, but with regard to everything like all of us and you must turn and receive the free gift of eternal life that was won for you on Calvary. Cry out to the Lord, Lord, forgive me. Lord, save me. Lord, I believe in thee. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. In other words, every episode of Life is Best has a very clear gospel presentation in it. It's interesting to hear Paul like that, isn't it? Because normally you'll catch the YouTube clips of him on a, a platform preaching and he's so passionate. When he's with somebody one-on-one, -on -one, that's how he talks. I've been with him we, we, we were witnessing to people when we were together in Los Angeles a number of years ago. And that's precisely how he talks to people. 
with urgency, but with warmth also, would like to encourage you. Please consider. It's free. You ain't got nothing to lose here. Get life is best. Show it. And that's just episode one. John MacArthur is in it. We, there, are, there are testimonies that are beautifully done. We had the folks at Anchored North put those together for us. They're just outstanding. The entire resource, 13 episodes, it's yours for free. A baby might be saved. Souls might be one. Because if we don't get on it and start becoming pro-life apologists and evangelists who share the law and the gospel, oh, we, we can bellyache all we want about a crumbling culture. Or we can get in the game. Wretched.org slash life. This is Wretched Radio. I believe in a culture of life. One of the most impactful moments of my life was when I heard the heartbeat of my oldest daughter uh, in my wife's womb and then saw the sonograms of all three of my kids. The sonogram or the, the pictures that are taken of babies, still a profoundly helpful tool, which encourages me to encourage you to consider supporting Preborn Ministries. Preborn Ministries and their network clinics, they are giving away free ultrasounds to women, but they do cost something. It's $28 an ultrasound. And just as you heard Governor DeSantis say, his view of life was profoundly changed when he saw the baby in the womb. When you see the form and the shape and the fingers and the heartbeat, would you please consider supporting Preborn? It's a great ministry of life. It has a high anthropology, shares the gospel with women and with the dads. Preborn.org slash wretched. Preborn.org slash wretched. All right, well, buckle up. Get ready. Road Trip to Truth Season 4 is back. Host John Favara is also back this year. But what's different this year is he has a traveling companion. Our buddy Jake Ream is joining him on the Road Trip to Truth for Season 4. And this is not going to be your typical grandma's Bible study. No, 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 no. If any of our other seasons are any indication, you know exactly what you're in store for. Hard-hitting questions, controversial topics, and a heaping dose of biblical truth. Sin, death, atheism, racism, critical race theory, you name it, they're going to cover it this season, and they're not going to pull any punches while they're doing it. Get ready, because they're going to tackle the toughest issues facing Christians today from a solid biblical perspective. Road Trip to Truth Season 4, available for purchase now at wretched.org slash four. That's wretched.org slash F-O-U-R. I would say the Tomorrow Clubs is a wonderful ministry. Kids are getting saved like crazy, not just in Eastern Europe, but also in Africa. And it's so efficient. I was just with Paul and Cindy Marty, and I asked, and it said, in, in American currency, how much does it cost to have a kid come to a Tomorrow Club four times a month? So every single week, what, what's the, what does it take to make that happen? Ready? A buck, one dollar. That's it. The kid comes, they get treats. They get materials that they learn the Bible. They memorize a buck because it's it's all volunteer driven. All those dear ones, they're volunteers. It's an amazing ministry. And if you have a heart for the lost in Eastern Europe, Africa, and you love supporting ministries that are super efficient and biblically sound, I would point you in the direction of tomorrowclub.org slash wretched, tomorrowclub.org slash wretched, and ask how many children might I be able to support per month? 
disciples of Christ. In the Bible, Jesus is given many titles that teach us about who He is and what He has done. Jesus is called the Son of Man. Daniel chapter 7 describes the Son of Man who came from heaven, received worship from all nations, and rules a kingdom that will never be destroyed. Jesus uses this title to affirm that He is fully human and fully divine. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. You will regret getting agitated with me. This is Wretched Radio. Can't help it. Would like to share with you a tool that will help you persuade pro-aborts that what is in the mother's womb is a whole innocent human being. Life is best. Our 13-episode series that we are giving away for free at wretched.org slash life. It will teach you to trot out the toddler and you say, I, I've seen this show. I don't want it anymore. I'm, I'm going to watch it. So just do something else. Well, what I was going to do was play the Identity Politics Choir singing a song written by Stacey Abrams. Mm. Mm. Now you're grateful we're going to listen to Life is Best, aren't you? I am. If you had a friend who had a two-year-old and she said to you, I can't afford this child. He's going to have a bad life. And I'd like to spare him that by killing him. What would your response be? She already had that child. That's her question. She shouldn't have had it in the first place. She so, and tell me if I'm putting words in your mouth. If it could be shown that the unborn were human like that two-year-old, would you agree that the unborn shouldn't be killed because he's unwanted any more than the two-year-old should be? Again, I think that there's not a yes or no answer. It's kind of like a polarizing question again. Mm-hmm. There's good and bad to every situation. So, I think people have their own choice to do what they want. I have a two-year-old child staying next to me, this two-year-old little girl. Uh, she is my next-door neighbor. Her mother's schooling is now at risk because this two-year-old little child, the financial strain that she's put on her family. Would you say that it was okay for me to kill this two-year-old little girl to secure the mother's educational future so that she can go on to be the person that she wants to be through education and then get a job later? It's easier with a two-year-old because a two-year-old you can pass on to a grandparents, you can put up for adoption or something, but when you're, be- when you're in the process of being pregnant, that's nine months of your life you can't get back. People are, uh, put too much emphasis on the child. You have to think of the mother, too. It's a 50-50 thing. It's a two-way street. Like I said, huh. the liberties go huh. until they hit someone else's liberty. The mother's liberty was hit for nine months. But the child's is hit the, forever. For, the child's is, is, is hit forever, yes. But, yeah. but Is the government <laughs> unjustly interfering when it tells the citizenry you can't kill two-year-olds? Well, I mean, killing a two-year-old is murder, and, and murdering is already illegal, right? I said they have one single parent and no other family, and that parent is just deeply depressed and kills that child. Have they done something wrong? Because that child was not giving anything to society. I would say if that parent cannot support that child and does not want that child, that child's not going to be able to contribute to society in the fashion that it would otherwise. So it was, it's okay for her to kill her newborn child? And those circumstances, because the life itself doesn't have value. Well, you put it like that, it sounds like murder. Yeah, it sure does. Aren't you glad we're listening to this and not Stacey Abrams? I, 
there is never a circumstance where the answer to that question could be no. <laughs> Notice what just happened here. In each case, the students brought up objections that they were certain complicated the abortion debate. They didn't complicate it. All they did is confuse things because they were assuming the unborn were not human. Now, notice they hadn't argued for that. They had simply assumed it. And I didn't let them get away with it. And you shouldn't let them get away with it either. Every time someone brings up an objection to the pro-life view where they are assuming the unborn are not human, it is your job to trot out your toddler and simply ask, would this be a good argument for killing a two-year-old? If the answer's no, you know for a fact that the person you're talking to is making an assumption they have not proven. Look, it's real easy to get distracted in this debate. Yeah. Real easy to chase rabbit trails. You don't want to do that. You have got to be clear. Chain that toddler to your knee if you need to. Keep him right by. Don't let him out of your sight. And you'll clarify things exactly as you need to. That's such good stuff. Get your copy. Wretched.org slash life. Wretched.org slash life. What's wrong, Todd? Well, I'm just, I'm out of stuff here. Uh, well, you got one thing. What? What's that, Jimmy? The Identity Politics Choir. All right, if you insist. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Stacey Abrams. What has she been doing since she lost again? Our rights depend on whether we live in the right state. Oh, is that <laughs> is that how we frame this? You know what would be an interesting question for Stacy? She's making the case that depends on where you're born, who you're born to, skin color, all of that. That is what determines your rights. Where do our rights come from, Stacy? Hmm? Where do they come from? If they come from man, row, look out, because that's whimsical. They can come, they can go, they can change, and you shouldn't be gathering a little choir together. All of whom are wearing masks, by the way. Fair amount of colored hair involved with this choir they're going to change you shouldn't be complaining rights come from god or we're all in big trouble <laughs> and our rights depend on whether we can present a valid id wow they've done a masterful job of reframing everything that somehow it's oppressive to make sure that the person who's voting is actually the person who's voting and asking for an ID. Enough. Now, you're saying, whoo, that was pretty hard to bear. Have another little snippet that you might find, actually, you should find exceedingly hard to bear. 
This is not a political commentary. I'm not telling you for whom to vote, but I am saying whoever made this video in Iowa um, needs to reconsider their understanding of the Messiah. And on June 14, 1946, God looked down on his planned paradise and said, I need a caretaker. So God gave us Trump. Okie dokie then. God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, fix this country, work all day, fight the Marxists, eat supper, then go to the Oval Office and stay past midnight at a meeting of the heads of state. So God made Trump. Now, is there any truth in what that AI knockoff of Paul Harvey is saying? Well, of course, anything that happens, God is behind it. We understand that. But this video, wow, makes him sound like God's anointed. And I'm afraid we've only got one of those. And his name is Jesus. I need somebody with arms strong enough to rustle the deep state and yet gentle enough to deliver his own grandchild. Somebody to ruffle the feathers. Tame, cantankerous World Economic Forum. Come home hungry. Have to wait until the first lady is done with lunch with friends. Then tell the ladies to be sure and come back real soon. And mean it. So God gave us Trump. Now, if you happen to be an individual who is really excited about the potential presidency of Donald Trump, and if you are hearing this and you are saying something like, what, do you want four more years of Biden? I'm, I might suggest to you uh, that perhaps, maybe, um, that your hope in a politician is, is going to disappoint you. Furthermore, don't know who the folks are who made this video. Probably Christians of some slice. Uh, they're very confused. That, that somehow that Donald Trump is a messianic figure, anybody who competes or is, I know he didn't make this video, I get that, but who presents somebody as being a messianic figure who isn't, that should be more troubling to us than the idea of four more years of Joe Biden. I need somebody who can shape an axe but wield a sword, who had the courage to step foot in North Korea can make money from the tar of the sand, turn liquid to gold, who understands the difference between tariffs and inflation, will finish his 40-hour week by Tuesday noon, but then put in another 72 hours. So God made Trump. Okay. Putting our hope, horses, chariots, politicians, it will disappoint you. But more than that, we, we, we want to make sure in this particular instance that our defense of Jesus Christ and his messiahship is more important than any politician. Not even close. Not even in the same realm. So, yep, let's vote. Let's make sure we vote for a pro-life candidate. We'll see where everybody stands on that. But let's not put our hope and trust in politicians. And certainly let's not elevate them above our Savior. And until tomorrow, go serve your king.